Our Father in heaven, we are grateful to be able to gather in your presence. It's an incredible thought that you are here with us right now. God is here by his spirit. And we know this spirit. He is true and good and he has changed us. We are new in him and we ask for further renewal. Make us new today. Teach us how to be proper boasters. Teach us how to be proper braggers. You made us to boast. You made us to brag. Teach us how to do it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're looking at Philippians 3, verses 1 through 9. And that's what we looked at last week. And so the reason we're taking another look at it is because we're going to come at it from another perspective this morning. Um, sometimes you can look at something and you see true things and they're great and glorious. But if you have another perspective, you can see even more. You can get more out of it. And that's what we're doing this morning. And so what we're going to do <coughs> this morning is spend a lot of time looking at background information and as we look at background information, I think some things in Philippians 3, 1 through 9, will make even more sense and be even more beautiful. I want to begin by telling you, and you might not know this, Christian, that you belong, you belong to a group that has an incredibly strange name. You might not know this, and it's not Christian. That's not the group to which you belong with an incredibly strange name. But you do. In fact, it's one of the oddest names for any group ever. Um, it's very, very strange. And you are a proud member of this group. Before I tell you what it is, um, it made me think of some examples of how you might have like a, you, some people might belong to a group. And the name of the group doesn't really make much sense at all. And yet we've accepted this name of the group. And a little background information helps you understand the name of the group. So one like the Rolling Stones <laughs> if you met someone and they said I'm part of the Rolling Stones you'd be like that's a big deal but I, I was just wondering where did that name come from like it's a strange name if you think about it it's like some rock stars just like playing marbles like what are they doing you know and you know you probably know some of their songs the one I know most of all I can't get no satisfaction right 1965 so it turns out and i don't know how true this is this is what i found online quickly they took the name from catfish blues by muddy waters in which this blues artist sang i got a boy child coming sure enough he's gonna be rolling stoned and that's where they took their name from this is a group name which is pretty peculiar but maybe you can appreciate it a little more if you know the background on it. Here's another one. Um, <laughs> you might not know this group, but you might. Oh, are there any Chumbawamba fans out there? <laughs> Chumbawamba. I get knocked down. I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. That was their big song. And the name of the song is actually, I didn't know this, Tub Thumping. It's the actual name of the song. <laughs> But I get knocked down, I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. Where does Chumbawamba come from? Apparently one of the members of the band had a dream. Chumba is British slang for men's room, and Wumba is slang for women's room. In the dream, the band member went to the rear of a club, and there was only one door, and it read Chumbawamba. 
And that was his dream, and he woke up and told his band members, and they said, that's it. That's the one. How peculiar. Isn't it bizarre? And you could do this for quite a while. Uh, so many of these names don't make sense. Lydia reminded me of one right before I stepped up here. You might know this one. The He-Man Woman Haters Club. It's from, uh, what's the, what do they call that? Little Rascals. The Little Rascals. And, you know, that one's not too hard to explain, actually. It's just a bunch of boys who say they don't like girls. So it's a boys-only club. So all these groups, their names sound pretty funny. And you hear a little bit of background information on the name of the group. It sounds a little bit better. It's a little more like, oh, okay, I can be cool with that. <coughs> but you belong to a group that has a name that's stranger than probably all these. <laughs> so I'm going to read this group. I'm going to read a verse, Philippians 3, verse 3. All right, And you're going to hear the name of the group to which you belong. I think sometimes we'll read the Bible and we get used to strange-sounding things. Philippians 3, verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve, you might have worship there, serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So Paul is saying that Christians are what he calls the circumcision. Which is very, it's a very unusual name. Like, we are the circumcision. If you're thinking, is that what I think it is? Yes, it's what you think it is. All right? Surgery on the male's member, in which the flesh is cut away. And this goes throughout the whole Old Testament, and it's a picture of when the flesh is cut away, it's a picture of removing that which should not be in God's presence. So, it's not just chapter 3, verse 3, though, that has a lot of background on it, like circumcision, that makes this more understandable. It's actually verses 1 through 9. Philippians 3, 1 through 9, has just a whole load of background information that once you understand it, things make way more sense. And it all comes from one book of the Bible in particular, Jeremiah. This whole passage is just rife with the book of Jeremiah, so this will be a bit of an unusual sermon. We're going to be going into Jeremiah, this book you probably haven't read much, and if you have, you maybe struggled with it, and you wouldn't be the only one who struggled with it. So we're going to be diving back into Jeremiah, and I want you to think of this a bit like a mashup. If you know what a mashup is, it's like where you got one song, maybe the lyrics, and you take the music of that song out, and you put the music of another song in, and you just, you just mash them together. That's basically what we're doing today. We're doing a mashup between Jeremiah and Philippians. We're going to put them together. We're going to see that, wow, these, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Paul's copying Jeremiah. We're taking another perspective on it. This new perspective is this Old Testament perspective. And then once we finish doing that, we're going to apply it to our lives in three, four ways, probably four. All right? So that's the idea. We're just going to go back to Jeremiah, look at three texts, see what we see in Jeremiah that we see in Philippians, and then we're going to come back to here and now, and we're going to apply it to our lives in four ways. Okay? So I'm going to read Philippians 3, 1 through 9. As I'm reading it, or even, or I will just say before I read it right now, I think everyone got one of these little things. Since this is a bit of an unusual sermon, like are we in Philippians or Jeremiah or what? I, I've made this to try to help out. Okay, and did I give you the Philippian verses? Philippians yes. verses? Mm -hmm. Okay, I hope I did. 
And if you don't have one, I printed out like 36 of these. So they're somewhere. And if you need one, hopefully you can get one. But there should be extras. Holly says they're over there by the, uh, the giving box. Okay, so um, I'm going to read through these nine verses now. And you're going to hear these six things that I have listed on this little sheet here. I'll accentuate them with my voice when we get to them. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Further, my brothers, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. These are false teachers he's describing. Verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit. Who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared, I'm sorry, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And so what, we, what, what, I, what I'll draw your attention to in here in Philippians are these six things that I put down on your little sheet. This idea that we are the circumcision of God. We worship by his spirit. We boast in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, to boast in Christ Jesus? We have no confidence in the flesh. What does that mean? That knowing Jesus Christ is Lord is worth more than anything. And that our righteousness is not based on what we do, but it's righteousness from God through Jesus. These six things we're going to take a look at. But we're not going to do it in Philippians. We're going to go back to Jeremiah. So turn to Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 2. In the Old Testament, it goes something like Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. So if you're somewhere in there, you're close. If you're not, <coughs> table of contents is your friend. If you're using <coughs> one of these paperback books, Bible book, we're on page 518. 518. And here we're going to see boasting in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. This is incredible. Boasting in Christ Jesus. And one of the reasons I love this is because we just finished going through Genesis and we're trying our best to help you remember Genesis and the whole story of the Bible. So we're, we're going to do that in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 2. 
So if you got Jeremiah 4, verse 2, can you look at me? Okay, we're pretty much there. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 2. I'll start in verse 1. Boasting in Christ Jesus. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him, and in him they will boast. Here's the question. In him they will boast. Who is that? Paul says it's Jesus. Why? I want to tell, I want to tip you off to this. Did you feel the pronoun trouble as we're going through there? Let me read it again. Maybe you'll feel it. It's like my little son, Luke. Luke's like, I like her. I like she. I like she or I like her. He, he, he gets his pronouns all mixed up. You know, give I the ball. Give I the ball. No, give me the ball. Oh, okay. What's your name? Me, Lukey boy. His pronouns are all flipped, you know? Feel this pronoun thing going on here. Look at verse 2. And if Israel, in a truthful, just, and righteous way, will swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings, or should probably be translated, then the nations will bless themselves by him. Who's, who's the him? The Lord is talking. The Lord is saying they will be blessed in him. So what's going on here? Is this like Luke talking? I don't think so. What he did is he actually quoted the book of Genesis. And that's why your pronouns got all flipped around. He's quoting Genesis. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. I told you this won't be a normal sermon. <coughs> Genesis 22, verse 18. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. That's what Jeremiah said. And through him, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Jeremiah sees this offspring from Genesis, this seed from Genesis. And he says that seed is a single male. It is one man that we've been waiting for. And Paul says, I know who that is. It is Christ Jesus. And in him, the nations will boast. They will boast. And you're like, boast? Boast in, boast in Jesus? Are we supposed to boast? You're going to boast about something. You might as well boast about Jesus. So chapter 4, verse 2. Boasting in Christ Jesus. Check. Now we're going to go to Jeremiah's next boasting passage. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. We read these verses before it started, before, at the beginning of our service. <coughs> Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 26. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Sounds like the same things we still boast about today, huh? Like, you see my 401k, little man? 
Verse 24, but let the one who boasts boast about this. They have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, <laughs> justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And now we switch to something very interesting. Look at verse 25. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and all who live in the wilderness in distant places. For all these nations are really uncircumcised. Even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. So it's like, what is going on? Boast in God. If you're not circumcised in your heart, you're going to be punished. Boast in God. If you're not circumcised truly in your heart, if God has not cut the sin out of your heart, you will be punished. Like, what is the connection? Here's the connection. You ready? Those who boast in God, they've had their hearts circumcised. Those who boast in God are the ones who have clean hearts. That's what Jeremiah is saying. If you're boasting in God, not in your wealth or your riches or your wisdom or your power, but if your boast is in God, you are one who has, so to speak, had circumcision on your heart. The nastiness of your heart has been cut out. And now, instead of boasting on all your cool exterior stuff, you boast that you know one person, God on high. And so this is, we are the circumcision. Who's the true circumcision? Who's the ones who have really had their hearts changed and circumcised and cleansed? The ones who boast in God. We are. We are the ones. Who are the ones who serve God by his spirit? Well, how does God clean our heart out? How does he change our heart and get the sin out of there? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We are the ones who put no confidence in the flesh. What's the flesh? Paul told us back in Philippians 3. But think about it. Flesh is like this external stuff, right? You've all got flesh. I'm looking at all of your flesh right now. Feels weird saying that. It's this external stuff. And when Paul describes the flesh, he describes all these accomplishments, all these external achievements. I was born in this tribe. I had this education. Look at all this stuff about me. It's what you show off. It's what you show off to the world. We have no confidence in the flesh. That's been cut off. We're no longer trusting in our external appearances. We're no longer trusting in how we present ourselves to the world. We boast not in our presentation to the world. We boast in who we know, God. And notice this. Paul said, this is awesome, hear this, hear this. Paul said, I consider all things to be literally um, like C-R-A-P. That's how you would translate that in Greek. I consider all things to be waste compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Beginning of Jeremiah, we boast in him. 
the Messiah, the Christ. <coughs> Jeremiah 9, we boast in the Lord. So who are we boasting in, the Messiah or the Lord? I consider all things to be nothing compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He's all of it. We boast that we know him. It's not about knowing, or it's not about having possession. It's about knowing God. We're going to talk about this later. The unbelievable truth that we know God. We know him. Like you know your mother, you know your son, you know your daughter. That's, that's how you know God. This is unbelievable. We'll get to that in all the response times. Lastly, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. This is when Jeremiah tells us about who this Messiah is. He doesn't just reference him. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. So just a recap as you're turning to Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. The nations will boast in Jesus, says Jeremiah. And we will boast in the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord. And what is our boast? That we know him. And we know him unlike those uncircumcised in heart people. We know him like the circumcised in heart people, like the ones in whom the Holy Spirit has cleaned out. And now, chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I raise up for David a righteous branch. Branch in the Old Testament is a code word for Messiah. I could explain why, but it might take a while. But there's a lot of meaning behind it. It's this idea that as a branch sprouts and brings life, so too the Messiah will sprout like a branch and bring life. That's the short of it. He will be a king who reigns wisely and will do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. So what's the name of our Savior? Here it is. This is amazing. The Lord, our righteous Savior. That's a weak translation. Most of you probably have something like, the Lord our righteousness. Who has the Lord our righteousness? Yeah, most of you. Jeremiah is a prophet. and He looks into the future and he says one day this person from David will branch out and bring life. And he will be our righteousness. Jeremiah looks at himself he looks at all of his friends and he says, we're not righteous. We're not good. We're dirty people. But the Messiah will come one day and he will count as our righteousness. He will be my righteousness. Well, this is what Paul has said if we put it all together. Paul has said, we are the circumcision. In other words, we are the ones who belong to God. We, you, belong to God. That's what this means. You belong to him. 
That which would keep you separated from him has been cut away. And now God has you. That's what this circumcision thing means. You belong to him. You serve by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is in you, serving, and your service and worship is through him. Your boast is in Christ Jesus. You put no confidence in the flesh. You put no confidence at all in what you present. Your hope is not in your external presentation and how you posture. You realize, Christian, that to know Jesus as Lord, to know him, surpasses everything the world could offer. Everything. And the last thing Jeremiah and Philippians tells us is that our righteousness is not based on our ability to do the rules. Our righteousness is based on our faith in Christ. He kept the rules. He honored the Lord. And he says, you want to be in good graces with God like I am? Well, hold my hand. If you stick with me, he'll let you in. He'll take you in on account of me. I will stand in your place. My righteousness, my right standing with God is yours. So I understand that was not typical. And that was a bit hurried. And we were in two places at once biblically. But I hope that you at least have this sense. That what Paul is doing is he combines three passages from Jeremiah. We had far more time. We could spend a lot more time showing all the things Paul's doing here. But he's talking here in the first nine verses of Philippians chapter 3. And it's just steadily from Jeremiah, 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 Jeremiah. That's what he's doing. And what's incredible to me is he doesn't quote Jeremiah once, does he? <laughs> it's just how he thinks. This is just the way he thinks. He just writes and Jeremiah pops out. Now, I want us to turn back to this very unusual name of the club to which we belong in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. And now we'll move towards our time of response. How do we respond to what we've seen here? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, there are four descriptions of Christians. It is we who are the circumcision, number one. We who serve or worship God by his spirit, number two. Who boast in Christ Jesus, number three. And put no confidence in the flesh, number four. <coughs> and we'll respond to these now in turn. This is who you are. He's describing what a Christian is. Christians are no less than these four things. There's many more things you could add, but they are at least these four things. And this is incredible to me because how can you, how can you be yourself if you don't know who you are? Hear that. How can you be yourself if you do not know who you are? 
you seem, it seems to me that you have to actually know who you are before you could be who you are. It would at least be helpful, would it not? Well, Paul's telling you who you are right now. I'm with students all the time who are trying to discover who they are and figure out their true self. The nice thing is we have answers for that. This is who you are. First, you are the circumcision. All the way back to Genesis, this idea that those who were circumcised had this piece of flesh removed from their body, and it was a symbol that the sin and nastiness of their life is gone, so that way they can be in relationship with God and belong to him. Then in Deuteronomy, the symbol becomes spiritual. God start, talk, start, starts to talk not about a physical circumcision, but a heart circumcision, where he says, your hearts need to be clean. Unless your heart is clean, you cannot belong to me. And Jesus has come, and by the Holy Spirit, he has cleaned our hearts. You are the circumcision, male and female, Jew and Greek, you belong to God. And this is mind-blowing. I'm at the high school, and I see 15-year-old girls who desperately long to belong to some guy. This is what they do every second of every day. They just, they just long to belong to the most significant person they could find. I say, praise God, we belong to God. That's astounding. There's no one higher on the list. It's, that's, that's the top. Like, when God looks at you, he says, that's my person. Like, I am invested in them. You are God's. Which means, you're not the devil's. Okay? And there's like, God over here, and devil over here, and... They've even got, like, their own family, all right? God's family is called the church. This is where you belong, Christian. Not the world, all right? Yes, go out into the world, love the world, but that's not home, okay? Like, that's not family. This is where you belong. This is family. And not only is it like relational home, it's also like setting home, like physical destination. What is your true home if you belong to God? It is not this. It's not this. It's a new home that hasn't been made yet. It's called the new creation. You don't have to wring all you can get out of this life. Because you have another life. And it's going to be better. Alright? It's going to be way better. First thing, you are the circumcision you belong to God. Second thing, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, it is we who serve by the Spirit of God. Most of you probably have worship instead of serve there in your translation. Both are perfectly fine. And I bring it up to tell you it's because serving God and worshiping God are the same thing. We get mixed up on this. We think of, what does it mean to worship God? If you were to ask the average person, how do you worship God? My guess is they would say, you go to church and sing. 
which is true. But hear what Paul says here. We who serve or worship by the Spirit of God. What is worship? It is everything done by God's Spirit. That's what it is. We misunderstand what worship is. Worship is everything done by the Spirit of God. You do not go to church to worship. Well, first off, you meet with the church. You don't go to it. We are there. You don't have to go to what you are. We meet with the church, and you don't really meet there to worship. You're actually worshiping the whole way you're going there, and you're worshiping while you're there, and you're worshiping while you're leaving. Let me explain. If you are patient at work, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. That is worship. That's worship. If you tenderly discipline your child, the fruit of the Spirit is tenderness, gentleness. That was worship. And God was pleased with it. If you cheerfully give your money to the church, all right, that's called love. That is worship. Right? And if you give online before you get here, that's still worship. It's not like this square box here is like the confines of worship. If your body is aching or your head cold is pounding and you refuse to, to mumble and groan and even if you can't speak from the pain, you just internally say, but God is good. He is good to me. That is worship. That is worship. All of your life is worship, or at least it's supposed to be, okay? So I hope we can have like a, a, a switch in our heads. Worship is that which is done by the Spirit. That's what worship is. Next, I'm going to skip the third one and come back to it, boasting in Christ Jesus. I'm going to go to the fourth one. We who put, conf who put no confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. In Philippians 3, this flesh is accomplishments. Hebrew of Hebrew, uh, Pharisee as to the law, blameless, persecutor of the church. It's all this like externality posturing, stuff you can brag about. <coughs> we put no confidence in the flesh, by which I mean there is nothing that we put our hope in. A lot of times we think, if only I could say that about me. If only I could say that about me, then my life would be complete. I could put confidence in this thing about myself, projecting it to others, and if I could do that, my life would be all set. And we Christians say, no way. No way. First off, if you lack contentment, it does not matter what you can posture. You will never be satisfied, ever. And there are all kinds of things that we are tempted to like put out there and might want to put confidence in it. You might actually think that you're a better person than someone else because you are, I don't know, married, known as a hard worker, you have well-behaved children, you have athletic achievements, because God really cares about that. <laughs> he might care about the spirit with which you accomplish those athletic achievements, but your trophies? A lot of, lot of good that'll do for you. 
consistent Bible reading. I read every day, all last year, 365 times. I even read a quarter of a day extra for that leap year, leap day that I didn't get to actually do. You know, like, we can take pride in all of this stuff and bring it up and just posture, you know? And it's just fake and it stinks to high heaven and the Lord can't stand it. He cannot stand it. We put no confidence in the flesh. Why? Because you don't have flesh. If you're a Christian that has been cut out of your life and thrown away, all right, it's gone. It's over. It's done. You don't put confidence in your stuff or in your appearance. In the words of Jeremiah, not your wisdom or your riches or your power. Same things people have been boasting about for millennia. Your weight loss. Your new physique. Look, there's good in weight loss. But it's nothing to put your confidence in. It's nothing to put your confidence in. There's one thing on whom, one thing in which we put our confidence, and I think it's a person. It's Jesus. Which brings us to the final one. This is the one that's really captured my heart. We, fourthly, are the ones who boast in Christ. That's who we are who boast in Christ Jesus. You see that in Philippians 3.3 there? We boast in Christ Jesus. If you look up the word boast on the internet, which I did, it says more or less bragging about yourself. Boasting is bragging about yourself. But what's so interesting is that's not the way the Bible uses the word boast. The Bible uses the word boast to brag about something else, actually. And I think we boast in other things, too. I don't think boasting is necessarily individual. I've met people who boast in their car. I've met a lot of students who boast in their dirt bikes, plural, because one's not enough. Nor is two, and sometimes three won't cut it either. Sometimes you really need a fourth, and they want you to know they have all four. They're just boasting in it, you know? They're getting something out of it, right? <coughs> Everyone boasts in something. Everyone boasts in something. And it's interesting how boasting changes. Like when you're a little kid, I remember this. I'm in third grade. My daddy could beat your daddy up. Like, he just could. No, he can't. Actually, he could. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like my daughter, Lydia. Actually, he could. He's a police officer, and he's in fights every week, and he always wins. <laughs> I've seen the wounds, but he comes out on top. He's a very good, you know, you just go on and on. You're just like, or my daddy's stronger than your daddy. But what are we doing? We're boasting in something outside of ourselves. That's what we're doing. And it's not just your age, it's where you live, and I'm like guilty here. <laughs> so if you're from Louisiana, you have this smug, arrogant attitude, which probably isn't good, and it goes something like this. My food's better than your food. <laughs> um, I have no idea how you actually prove that. Louisiana is recognized to have good food by people who have a say in this, but there's this attitude that we've developed, and I'm guilty of this, and it's like, yeah, that's good, but you've never had gumbo like real gumbo, or a boudin ball. And it, you just like, boudin what? You're like, boudin ball. It's amazing. And we boast in this food culture, right? If you're from New York, 
If you're from New York, your boast goes something like this. And it's not all New Yorkers, but it's a healthy size of them. I've heard it. You've probably heard this too if you're an athlete. How's your team doing? Oh, not that good. Well, my team, the Yankees. The Yankees won, I forget, uh, 27 championships again? Like, man, we are good. And all of a sudden, you play for the Yankees. <laughs> it's like, we have won. You know, we're boasting in the Yankees. Possessions? I, oh, man, I see this one at school. I got the newest iPhone. Oh, that's cool. It's great. It can, like, give me GPS directions while making a call while brushing my teeth. It can do everything. It can even do my homework. I just ask it questions and it gives me the answer. <laughs> just boasting in all these things, right? And the last thing a lot of times we boast in is not possessions. It's who we know. Who we know. You've probably met someone who boasts like this. Like, yeah, the boss and I were at the party last weekend. You wouldn't believe what he told me. What did he tell you? Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> he just told me. He didn't tell you. It's like, All right, fancy pants, you know. You go on and on. I mean, I remember when I was a young boy hearing that my father had, sh had shaken uh, Bill Clinton's hand one time. Whether, whatever you think of Bill Clinton, that's still an honor to have met a president while he was serving and shaking his hand. I remember, like, nine years old or however old I was, thinking, wow, my daddy, big time. My daddy knows the president. He should have touched his hand. <laughs> but we Christians, we boast in Christ. And this should be as natural for us as boasting in anything. This should actually be more natural. Your daddy might be strong, but Jesus is stronger. Jesus is so strong that the weight of the world's sins can rest on his shoulders while he's dying and he can bear it. That's one strong man. That's one strong man. Louisiana's food and drink are great. But if you drink the drink, you're going to get thirsty again. If you eat the food, you won't be satisfied. But if you come to Jesus and you eat the bread of life and you drink the living water, you will never lack again. You'll be satisfied forever. Now, that's a food, right? That's a food. The Yankees, they got 27 rings, but that means they've lost 89 times. But Jesus is unbelievably clutch. He's so clutch. For 30 plus years of his life, he did not fail a single time with temptation. He's batting a thousand, so to speak. Your phones are amazing. They can call here and they can guide you there. They can't call God. They can't get you to the new creation. But Jesus can. Jesus can. You see how natural this is? Whatever you hear people bragging about, Jesus can do it better somehow. I guarantee you. You know the boss. Great. 
I know the boss. Like, capital B, boss. This is amazing. What was Jeremiah's thing? Jeremiah said, of all the things you should boast in, it's boasting that you know God. That's the greatest boast there is. Hear this, Christian. You know the boss. Someone says they know someone famous. We know the most famous person in history. And we talk with that person every day. It's Jesus. You know a movie, a movie star? The Bible says we know the bright morning star. You know the president. I know the king. You know some famous magician who defies death. I know someone who actually cheated death, like for real. It wasn't a trick. You know this famous general, the commander-in-chief. They've never defeated death, ever. No missile can take that out. It can only cause it. If you have a weapon that can defeat death, now that's a weapon. And Jesus did. It's called righteousness. This is who Jesus is. So Christian, my prayer for you is that you would boast in Christ every day. This is why I prayed at the beginning, that we'd be good boasters, proper boasters. Look, we all boast about something, every one of us. It is natural and it is not wrong to boast if it's in Jesus. <laughs> we boast in Jesus so that he gets the credit, right? Because he actually deserves the credit. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you, and we love Jesus, and we are those who boast in Jesus, and there is nothing that compares to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. We know him. We've spoken with him earlier today, and he is connecting us to you, Father, right now. We thank you that he has taken away our sins by faith <coughs> and that the righteousness we have is not our own, but his. Teach us to put no confidence in the flesh and to trust in Jesus alone. In his name we pray, amen.